Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Cues of the Force. The Cues stands for questions, and the word force is the word force. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Knapsack. I barely can say words sometimes, so <laughs> learning a little bit more with the cues. So I'm, I'm taking notes. This has been fun. 
think of how much time we're saving. We have so many things we want to do in life, and we are just making time by not fully saying questions. I think we're we're we should be doing just a life advice show at this point. And isn't that a great song? But what's that been creation? Making time. I think what Anderson <laughs> moved it in and used it in Rushmore. We had time for that reference because we don't fully say questions. We say cues instead. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun Star Wars stuff to talk about. We have a lot of great questions and also some questions that do kind of uh, wander into different parts of our lives, which I'm very excited uh, to hear more about. Before we get into that, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP three player this week we are recommending padawan by kirsten white it is a young obi-wan adventure that we are looking forward to digging into if you want to give it a listen you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash four center again that's audibletrial.com slash four center for your free audiobook listen to it now before the high republic returns (laughs) Oh, sorry. That's a, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to this book. I, I know we're a little bit later uh, on reading this uh, than uh, other uh, folks, um, but I'm excited to get into it. And then I've been, you know, that book. I've been trying to finish that book in the 1912 election. Been talking about it for like a year on Force Center. I finally got up to when Teddy Roosevelt declared his, uh, you know, his that he was running and mm. the Bulls Party. I finally got there. We're tur- getting it, and then now I probably have to read this because High Republic is coming, and I'm excited, <laughs> but it's looming over my reading schedule like a shadow. I understand. I just got to the part in Christopher Lee's autobiography where he becomes a spy during World War II. And it's amazing I'm doing anything but reading that chapter. You know. Well, yeah. Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, like I've been saying on Force Center, I've been doing some reorganization. So for a long time, all my High Republic books were just like in a pile on the mm-hmm. living room floor. And now I got them all up on a, a bookshelf and I walk past them every day and I'm like, ooh, ooh, can't wait for more. So excited for that as well. Love it. Love it. All right, we're going to get into our questions. As always, we have two from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, everyone, for sending in questions. Uh, Our first is from Twitter. It is from a listener, James Pasquilucci. Uh, James says, hello there, Force Center. I was thinking about the great Clone Wars report episode you did on Yoda's arc at the end of season six and all the great talk about Force spirits and what they mean. This brought up several questions in my mind. We know Qui-Gon set Yoda on these trials and that to successfully pass them, one of the truths uh, he had to show was that this was not for him, but for others, that his intentions were pure. He then passed his training on to Obi-Wan, who helped Anakin accomplish it. I love that Yoda had a journey to prove his worth for this training. So my first question is, do you think there may be more storytelling of how other Jedi we know got their training? Luke and Leia both achieved this ability, but did they have trials of their own? rather than one of their mentors simply teach them, and what could that look like? I have been not so subtle about wanting Ray to learn this ability. Mm. Do you think there's a story where Luke sent her on a trial where she had no knowledge of its purpose, only to pass and to learn it was to prove her worth for this training? My second question is, do you think this ability will still be limited as the Jedi Order grows, or will the knowledge start to spread? May the force be with you all, and thank you for your answers. Uh, thank you, James, for your question, and thank you for uh, pre-thanking us for our answers. Uh, they might not be good. We'll see. <laughs> uh, so, Ken, this is a really fascinating question because in Star Wars lore, we do have Qui-Gon really going out uh, to the outer limbs of of Jedi thought and even defying some ideas of the way it all works, period, Uh mm-hmm 
to discover this new ability and to send Yoda on this trial and this quest and the implication that Obi-Wan has a journey to go on. But then we see characters where we don't know exactly what happened. You know, uh, I think it's my kind of headcanon that, that and James's uh, headcanon clearly as well, that Anakin was uh, helped uh, perhaps a little bit uh, by the spirits on the other side. But we don't know, right? We don't know for Anakin, for Ben, for Luke, for Leia, exactly uh, if they had that same level of training, that same level of trial. So I just want to start there. How do you feel about the fact that we have some characters that we know trained, uh, faced mm-hmm. trials in other characters where we don't know exactly how they achieved this ability. I, I think this is where I would want stories to just help us understand it all a little bit more. James mentions our Clone report. Thank you for the kind words on that. But I, I, I love that looking into that Yoda arc because I think, um, uh, you know, from a distance, it's not completely easy to understand, right? Especially mm-hmm. when it gets to George takes it to heady places. Even if you're just sitting around a conference room, you're like, get that idea. Ooh, that <laughs> idea is bigger. Uh, um, so to have stories that just help understand it and the difference, um, I can live with it. I think it's, I almost look at it almost a kind of a fun wink and a nod. It's like Qui-Gon spent all this time and kind of time ha- maybe has no meaning for him there. And then Anakin's like, cool, I'm here. <laughs> like, But I think that's also... Qui-Gon uh, walks so Anakin could run type of vibe. And I want to see that maybe reflected more in some of the individual uh, journeys to the other side and and how they learn this. So stories that also make it unique for each Jedi. And I like the idea of um, not in that Ahsoka, yeah, the, the, the Ahsoka beat when she leaves the order and they're all like, hey, surprise, turns out the, we're going to count those as your trials. <laughs> like, no, no, we agree with but to have that have that in a more deeper spiritual way of uh, you learned it because of your actions, uh, you know, you, you faced your, your true self, you faced your darkness and you emerged uh, the other side, similar to, to Yoda in that series. So, yeah, I could I could follow that. I don't have a problem with the difference. I just want to explore it. Yeah, no, I, I really like that idea. I, I like having some amount of ambiguity, uh, you know, when you get really getting into sort of the, the technical aspects of it. Uh, so I do think there is some ambiguity, and I think that makes it interesting because I, I don't ever want uh, just very clear stats on four spirits. Like, what percentage of <laughs> uh, you have to have uh, this stat of understanding your soul? You have to be at an 80%, 87% of understanding your soul. Like, you know, I, I never want to get that specific, so don't mind some ambiguity. I think it's a place where, like, the uh, the emotional canon, as you say, or almost the spiritual mm-hmm. canon, the cosmic canon, yeah. is, like that. is so in line. Uh, that everything works for me. I like the idea, and just wandering into headcanon here a, a little bit, I, I do like the idea that the Jedi are all connected, sort of the way it's implied in, in Rise of Skywalker, um, mm-hmm. that that there is a sort of cosmic oneness. Uh, I love what you said about, like, maybe if the kind of the whole order as, as an organism, right, mm-hmm. had the walls up and, like, this is the way it is, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't, an individual can't retain sentience once they pass into the cosmic force. That's the way it is, period. And Qui-Gon breaks down that wall and Yoda breaks down that wall uh, farther. And now that there's a, a knowledge of it and an understanding of it and an openness to it, uh, mm-hmm. that, that it's maybe different. Uh, the other thing that, that, that I would think about the, the differences between the abilities is that Yoda had to face that trial because he had moved so far from from where he was uh Mm -hmm. he he was he had thought that he was like well i'm a jedi i've passed these trials a million times there's no i've i've conquered darkness i know my purpose uh and he had to go through that and what i really like is maybe 
Anakin, Ben Solo, Leia didn't need to go through that sort of trial in that training because their last moments on this sentient plane were those trials. And that's, I think, where where the sort of uh, emotional canon or the <laughs> cosmic canon hmm. aligns, right? Um, yeah. Both Anakin and Ben Solo face the darkest parts of themselves that they have allowed to rule themselves and they reject them. Yeah. Uh, and then they sacrifice themselves selflessly for the benefit of others. So the only kind of a puzzle piece missing is a is a need or a desire to retain sentience in order to continue to to be there for other people, right? Yeah. Uh, to me, I can imagine that's in Anakin's soul of like, I finally defeated the darkness. I sacrificed myself and now I just, I really want to be able to reach out to my son. I really want to be able mm-hmm. to reach out to my daughter someday. Maybe that's in his heart, you know, uh, yeah. as he passes. Um, I think that's obviously there for Ben that he would want to stay connected to Ray, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Leia, I think, is somebody who has uh, gone through every trial possible, right? She's defeated her <laughs> oh, yeah. her dark side a thousand times over. But her passing as well is um, a, a giving all of her energy for someone else, for Ben, right? Uh, for the galaxy uh, to make a difference. And uh, Leia is certainly somebody who needs to to let go there's a lot of great stuff in the rise of skywalker novelization right about her needing to learn to let go Uh, but you can also see her wanting to be like yeah and if possible i would like to uh, pop in if ray needs anything like validation on the last name choice (laughs) (laughs) i want to be there for that for her you know so all of those things that yoda kind of had to learn these characters are experiencing in the moment at the end of their lives yeah, yeah, and I like the going back to some of the earlier stuff saying about the the Jedi Order as a whole had the walls up to this. Qui Gon pushes through those walls. Yoda goes to the bigger, and then just kind of that becomes easier. This seems like still a very difficult task and some very difficult decisions made at the at the end of these lives. But that uh, it just I don't know. There'd be a bit easier uh, time to understand it to get to there. Also, we don't know how it works, right? Well, we'll ask George, give him a cup of coffee, put him on the porch at Skywalker Ranch. Maybe he'll explain this stuff. <laughs> you know, what happens? Is there, uh, for lack of a better term, the pearly gates? You get to the co- the cosmic pearly gates. Who you who you care about? Who you want to still talk to? Have you learned it? Have you earned it? Are you on the list? Do you get this? And I'm dumbing it down for me. But you know what I mean? If just like, uh, if does the force, the cosmic force, really know what's on your heart when you go and when you pass these trials? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it does seem like the Force Priestesses, you know, are, are keeping this knowledge and deciding who gets it in that mm-hmm. Yoda arc, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. they, maybe that was their purpose and they are, they are at peace or, you know, maybe they're there blocking the, <laughs> blocking the door and, uh, you know, seeing if you're on the VIP list. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, just, yeah. Who, Leia, who are you declaring? Uh, okay, Ray. <laughs> Yeah, or they could just see the truth, right? That's yeah. right. That that's the 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 truth in in the soul and yeah. the heart of this person that they yeah. they want to be there for someone else. Um, yeah. Well, I really, I really, but I really like that for you know Anakin because that is that is uh, I remember even having that question you know in the playground, not knowing about the Qui Gon of it all. The prequels doesn't come out, but it's like all right, cool. Uh, you know, boom. I guess that's just what happens. But now you know, getting to learn a little bit more, what would get to that point. Yeah, yeah, and I and I really like the idea that there is maybe a, a little assist from from Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If it works that way, then maybe maybe we'll never find out. Maybe we never should. Yeah, uh, and um, you're also taking me back. You yeah, the Qui Gon of it all. Like 
it, it should not be lost on this discussion or any one of our, our, our memories. That, that Qui-Gon not fading away was a thing, man. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah, just oh. laying there like a slab. It was, it was awful. Yeah. It was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's not how it works. And George, you know, having to address it in Starlog magazine or Star Wars Insider, don't worry, you'll get more information. It just took a while to get there. Yeah, like that's his, that's his full body they're burning. Uh, yeah. 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 Which, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I want to share a, a, a thought in, in question with you. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, Anakin, Ben, Solo, Leia, this is perhaps something that they're aware of. I, I, don't, I don't know if Anakin's mm-hmm. aware of it at all. But I guess Ben and Leia are probably like aware of it. Maybe there's room for training. But for Luke Skywalker, uh, the man borderline obsessed with knowing everything about the Jedi, about the Force, right? Right. I feel like he trained as hard as he could, right? I feel like if mm-hmm. at all physically possible, he visited the Wellspring of Life, right? Like like Yoda did. I, you know, I think I think Luke's had a long chat with those priestesses if they're still around. What What do you think about that? You know, we were talking on the news show this week about what kind of future tales of the Jedi type of uh, content we'd like, right? If they were to continue <laughs> that kind of series, that Luke of the Force priestesses, sign me up. Sign right. me up. That'd be interesting, knowing what he knows, knowing what he wants to learn. I think you're right saying it's a little bit of an obsession. And I'm not saying that in a tremendously bad way, but just he wants to learn. All right, I'm a Jedi. What is that? What is that? Fair questions to ask. And so that would be really intriguing. Yeah, he wants to know everything he possibly can. And maybe Yoda's like, eh. And pops in and is like, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's this interesting place. Yeah. And I think for Luke's passing, it feels different to me because he he is so a Jedi master. I feel like he he knows this possibility. But everything's there, you know, to, to go along with that uh, that cosmic canon as well, right? Mm-hmm. That he is he is facing. He faced his... his the dark side, not of like anger, but of uh, doubt and fear and pessimism in in action, right? He faced that dark side and he sacrificed himself to save others. And yeah, there's people that he absolutely wants to be there for, Ray in specific, right? Yeah. Uh, so I feel like all of the sort of four spirit things that Yoda learned, we absolutely see in action with Luke's passing into the force. And I, and I like this it, it, and correct me or, or, or add on to this idea that, you know, what you're talking about, this kind of personal trial this facing this, this side here that it, may, it probably, you know, even for someone like Luke who was maybe prepared, maybe you chatted with uh, Obi-Wan and, and force Yoda about it and read some books, you don't maybe, maybe just don't know those trials till you get there mm-hmm. and then you get through them. And, 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 and then, you know, this is uh, the other side of it. I don't know. Again, Luke, cause I could see Luke maybe, Maybe he's a, did I, did I pass that trail? Uh, what about, what about this? What about this thing? Is that, you know, I'm kind of messy. Is that, is that a thing I got to face by myself? <laughs> and then this emerges and he gets through to it and, and he, and he is ready to let go. Yeah, he is absolutely ready. I love that look on his face. He is so ready uh, to embrace what is next peace and purpose. Uh, all right. So we kind of covered some of the, the big picture uh, part of James question and what other people's uh, uh, training and trials might look like, but uh, let's address these other specific ones about uh, James wanting Ray to learn this ability. What do you think of the idea of a story where Luke sends her on a trial and, and maybe she's aware it's this trial, maybe she isn't? Uh, how do you feel about that? Oh, I'd, I'd love that, especially because in, in, in a way, you know, hearing the voices, connecting with the voices, her just being exposed to the bigger picture, right? Uh, her starting to understand a little bit more the cosmic canon herself. Mm-hmm. And here's someone who's almost kind of going in the same spot. You know, she's got all, she's got some good pamphlets and training manuals in her collection that she's already been studying, but all right, I am Jedi now. Uh, hear me roar. And what does that mean? 
I got to go figure that out. And hey, Luke and, and Leia being there and maybe, you know, Ben starts uh, appearing and talking to her. I like that side. That's kind of in my own head canon. Uh, I think she's earned it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to see Ray from nowhere uh, be Ray forever. Uh, and, and I think I would love to explore that uh, and as she builds, uh, perhaps builds the Jedi Order in, in a new way, but uh, go into the core of what it always was uh, supposed to be. It always was. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I feel like a lot of her stuff in Rise of Skywalker is the the trial. It is facing the dark side, the mm-hmm. lashing out in anger, uh, uh, reacting in, in fear, denying uh, her true self. Like she uh, faces all that. She does sacrifice herself, you know, she she dies uh, yeah. stopping uh, Palpatine. Um, so I feel like she has faced a lot of those trials. She's got those books and she seems to really like studying them yeah. <laughs> as well. So for me, I feel like if there were, I feel like as we leave her in Rise of Skywalker, she's on the path and she's great. She's golden, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but a part of the story of Star Wars is the adventure doesn't end uh, at, at, at your first, as you take the mantle of Jedi, you're not like, and I'm good forever, right? So mm-hmm. I think much like Yoda, she might end up in a place where she's been battered by circumstances yeah. And she's slipping, right? Uh, some some negativity is coming in. She's feeding feeding the dark side a little bit, uh, feeding the monster, like that little mm-hmm. shadow gremlin that Yoda has to fight. And like, I forgot you were there. I was yeah. denying you. Uh, I'd love, I'd love, you know, 45-year-old Ray is like, okay. Uh, <laughs> yep. Hey, uh, Luke, Leia, Ben, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I need, yeah. I need, I need help. Go. I need help resetting. I need a new, I need a new trial. Help well, me. I mean, you're, you're describing, you know, in a way like the return of dark Ray, right? Like mm-hmm. have that short film, Ray, Ray on Ray, the lessons of Ray. <laughs> like there's something really intriguing about that, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, and I like it. Look, you know, you, you said earlier, it's not a, um, uh, Hey, uh, my, my skill levels up to this uh, point uh, value, give me the skills, but it's like, God, you defeated Palpatine, you know, on Exegol. I think you're good. <laughs> I think you're good. I think that, yeah, you, you've definitely faced the, you know, uh, your, your own moribund. You're going to Exegol, right? Yeah. yeah. But again, but, having to, for her, having to accept it or understand it, there's a lot to it. A lot to it. Right. And what changes from her, right? If she, if she does build a Jedi order, if she is somebody who has always wanted family and she finally has them, I think she has, has to kind of get older and wiser and grayer with the knowledge that her her deep deep love of others is wonderful and gives her power but is also something that can slip into darkness if she gets too possessive or too afraid of losing them mm. oh i like that so i mean that's an interesting trial of like you know <laughs> yeah. how do i how do i find that balance um I, I also think that you know there's some wonderful ambiguity opened up by the rise of skywalker by ray communing with all of these voices several who have trained to retain their sentience but others who were doubters right mm-hmm. um i think mace windu probably died saying that's not possible 100 <laughs> percent, yeah but here he is whispering to ray and i'm kind of interested in the idea of well, well maybe maybe we don't know the big picture maybe everyone does retain some amount of sentience you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or is this you know ray reaching so deep into the force that you know, this is, this is what the spirits, you know, would say she's speaking to their souls, right? It's not like they're Mm -hmm. cognizant of like, "Eh, Ray's making the phone call. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, I I think that there's a possibility that maybe what we see in Rise of Skywalker is Ray taking even 
Ray, with Leia's guidance and encouragement, taking a step farther in understanding how individuals exist within the cosmic force than even Qui-Gon did. Uh, yeah, the, 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 maybe the, 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 the new level of it, right. Or the, the new, the new, uh, the new lesson plan, so to speak, and moving beyond it again, Qui-Gon kind of the first through the gate, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that's just the beginning. Right. And there's so much more to go. And what I love is, um, you know, you're raising a great question. Yeah. The Mace, that's actually really funny about Mace. Almost like Mace gets there. Like, what is this? I don't even, I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> but just that it isn't necessarily even them. I, I think it is in a way. I think that's what you're saying as well, but like they're not all waiting in a room, which is also another reasons why the idea of 12 ghost Jedi running out behind Ray was not something I was ever personally behind. I know others mm-hmm. might've been, and I'm sure it would look cool, but um, yeah, that, that it wasn't, that's not the purpose of it there, but that who, who knows how she's hearing, how she's communicating. Um, I just love it. And I love that there's a mystery. I love that we don't fully know the stuff and that it can involve uh, that can evolve. And that even if you, Qui-Gon's got, all right, I learned it. And then someone else is like, cool. I also then learned this and it builds and it builds and you can take it to different spots. Yeah. Yeah. And you can even look at it as this idea that the initial gift that Qui-Gon is after, that the Force Priestesses explicitly mm-hmm. give Yoda because he is going to help Luke. Um, yeah. And that, that Obi-Wan is focused on this is going to be so powerful that I can communicate with Luke. You know, so there's this idea of the some of the the power of force spirits being able to communicate with those in in the mortal realm, and you could look at uh, Rise of Skywalker as the power is really going the other way. It's totally like that Ray has projected herself into the cosmic force where all these beings yes. still exist. Yes, I like that. I like yeah, that. there's some kind of visual language too of it. Her yeah. kind of going past <laughs> the battle into anyway. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, literally, my my pause was actually me literally picturing just the move into the clouds, right? <laughs> <into> the stars. <laughs> it really, truly does kind of play like that. Too. Oh, we could talk about this forever, but we are going to wrap up this question uh, by the the final part of James's great four spirit multi part question. If Ray is is going on training more Jedi, do you think this ability continues to be limited, or as the Jedi Order grows, is this is this common knowledge? You know, uh, pass your training uh, to retain your sentience within the Cosmic Force. How do you feel about that? I, look, I would love the gift to be shared more, especially if if it's learning. Like, who's to say that Qui Gon, if he had learned it earlier and and the fall hadn't happened, you know that he would have been like, hey, everybody, here, let me, hi, I, you know, it's me, it's Qui Gon, it's you're hearing me. Uh, here's some information. Uh, and that, and that uh, we need this and, and, and everything. But I, I also love the uniqueness of it. I love that it isn't, um, uh, you know, again, just an X button you press, um, you know, you, you got you to gotta pass those trials. So I would, but I would love, especially if Ray was the one that continued to learn this and also continue teaching that it would be part of it, that it's more openly discussed. It seems like it was something that wasn't necessarily one understood, but two discussed, right? That maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could have been a Jedi, maybe Caddy Money's like, but that would be attachment to this mortal realm. We can't, do, you know, and there'd be some healthy debate and discourse about it, <laughs> but that uh, finding a way to, to work it more into the order. Yeah. I kind of like that idea that, that Ray has a, a, a deeper understanding of it. I think uh, I'm very curious what her relationship will be with the spirit of Ben, that that's even a different relationship. She clearly can commune with Luke, uh, can commune with uh, Luke and Leia. Um, who knows if she's ever had a part in her career as a Jedi where she feels the need to reach into the, the cosmic force uh, in the same way, or she kind of just always feels that presence now. Whatever it is, I feel like she's on a different level. And I feel like, yeah, it, it, she would just kind of be, it would be a normal part of Jedi training to be aware of the 
the levels of existence and and how to function within them. Mm. Yeah. I put it all down in a booklet. Yep, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) All right. We could talk about that forever, but we are going to move on to a question that is about stats. Uh, This comes to us on Twitter from (laughs) Carl Axon Franzon, uh, who says, if the Star Wars universe had trading cards, which would be the highest demand? Maybe an (laughs) Obi-Wan rookie card? Uh, What key stats would be on the back? Would they come with a flat stick of tasteless gum? Which one would you trade anything for? Oh, hmm. this could be a Star Wars ranked episode as well. This is really exciting. Uh, I just kind of want to start big picture. Um, Ken, I have a relationship with trading cards uh, from Star Wars and then from mm-hmm. a bunch of other uh, movies of my childhood and, and teens, uh, mm-hmm. Superman and Star Trek. And uh, in 1989, I was obsessed to find every Batman uh, trading card from the 1989 Batman movie. Um, right. I, I was, I've never been a huge sports guy. I was not encouraged. Uh, I was not immediately physically good at sports and no one helped me <laughs> or maybe I would have been into sports, but I was always fascinated with baseball cards because I had benefited from the movie version of that great tradition. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I come at this question, but I, I don't think we've ever, I know you're a big baseball fan, but I don't know your relationship with the trading cards. Were baseball trading cards a, a huge thing for you? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's actually what pulled me into that world. I, I was, uh, and I, I think you're, you you make a great point of just often um, you're, you're just allowed to almost cast yourself in a role of, well, I guess I'm not a sports guy, you know, and no one, mm-hmm. and, and, and you're not allowed to ask questions sometimes. It's intimidating. And then the other side, you know, we, you and I were talking off air recently, uh, you know, yeah, I like to start watching Lord of the Rings, man, it's really daunting. And a lot of Tolkien lore heads aren't nice about it. You know, it's just kind of human <laughs> nature. I think it's an excellent point uh, because I had that same thing. Um, I, I, my, my friends were interested in sports. I think I kind of liked it, but it was cards that pulled me over. Mm. Um, I could grasp it and it was a, it was a thing to do. Right. And I had the return of the Jedi trading cards and I, you know, what's funny I actually had those first. So really? yeah, those came first in my life and it was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. I'd like to go over here and my friends are trading cards during recess. The gum tastes great. I don't know what you're talking about, Carl. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Um, and it's still in my life. Actually, my YouTube channel, I do some uh, silly ASMR videos with sports cards. Uh, I have a lot of memories, so it's a big thing in my uh in my life so this is a wonderful question yeah it's absolutely great i think the only the only baseball card i have is i can't remember why but uh uh kids i'm not saying smoking is a good idea but i started smoking when i was uh 18 and for some reason oh a friend gave me a, a lighter that had i don't even remember the the player's last name his first name was uh, was uh carlos um hmm. And I, so I was like, yep, I'm going to, I'm going to go light up with Carlos. <laughs> and then my same friend's like, here's his actual baseball card. If you want to learn about it. That's funny. Yeah. It's great. I'd have to, I'd really have to dig to figure out who that, uh, who that baseball player is. And again, not, not advocating the choices I made anyway. Uh, so where do you go with this then of, of translating that love of baseball cards to Star Wars? Look, and by the way, I want to point out, you can get some force center trading cards or uh, supporting at our pitcher page. And I think I still owe some out there. So I apologize. I got to get some out there. All right. Um, so I didn't go deep into the stats. Uh, Carl, this is a great question, but I just kind of went general because I could could have gotten really lost in what it is. Um, so I went simple in terms of stats. I'll start there, Joseph. It's Jedis uh, and they track lives saved. Mm-hmm. Rebels track battles won. But the Empire tracks battles lost. That's what's highlighted more because that's what you're <laughs> against in the Empire. Not what you've done for us, what you've failed to do. 
focusing on the negative, right? Uh, you know, tasks needed to get back into good imperial graces and then mm-hmm. list them all. Yeah, so that's where I go with the stats. There's a lot of other things, and this could be broken down. This sound, this seems like a a Brian Ward project waiting to happen. Uh, the great Brian Ward uh, loves baseball cards as well, uh, not just baseball, but baseball cards. So uh, this could be fun. Just a whole yeah. Jedi stats. Yeah, I, I know. I know a lot of people love trading cards. I, I do. I love them so much. There's the collectability. You get mm-hmm. the picture, but then there's this thing, right? The like, it, it almost becomes like how can you in a small amount of text on the back of this relatively small card sum up what this what this person is what they're capable of right yeah what their worth is which is crazy <laughs> yeah right their worth and like okay with with stats and like i know we're in an era uh, with baseball where it is you know how many times do they scratch their left ear now we can know who's going to be a good baseball player like yeah. ridiculous level of stats uh yeah i think for me if i was focusing on jedi i think that you know it's it's not the greatest that they focus on this but it would probably start with uh you know, are they a uh, uh, youngling? Are they a Padawan? Are they, a, you know, mm. a knight, a master, all that? Yeah. Um, then I think they definitely would have, you know, just basics of like uh, species and height and eye color and, you know, maybe a little bit of something, you know, fun uh, that that's uh, specific, maybe like a favorite quote. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I, I think for stats, I think it would be, um, yeah, like uh, planet saved, uh, communities honored, <laughs> you know, uh, negotiations, or, you know, uh, uh, disputes yeah. resolved, um, all that kind of stuff. And then I think for a long time, it would have like, you know, a Sith uh, faced, you know, it would be like <laughs> zero. And that's a that's a good thing. Everybody wants that. And then like. Obi-Wan's, uh, you know, rookie card as a Jedi Knight, because he's got a Padawan card first, but his yes. Jedi Knight card is like, that's the first time that status actually has something filled in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. His batting average is like one one out of four, like 250, betting 250. Yeah. <laughs> you, make, you make me laugh. And, I, I, you know, I want to choose these words carefully because a lot of people come to uh, us from different backgrounds. And I had that, uh, you know, kind of a church upbringing and, and, and stuff. And I grew up uh, like you, Joseph, in the middle of the eighties, which had a lot of that, uh, the height of the satanic panic type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was uh, a line of uh, like Christian theme trading cards that was given to me as a kid in an effort to kind of pull me away from the other stuff. Um, and on the back was some uh, live save type of stuff too. And I, and, and I, and the Simpsons play with this too. The Simpsons did like a Methuselah, Methuselah card, that kind of stuff. Oh, but that's right. Some, Something I had where it was like, uh, it was, you know, King David action figure, like a He-Man action figure. And there was like little cards and stuff in it too. It's interesting. Yeah. So oh. the Jedi would have that. Yeah. Uh, specialities. Obi-Wan would certainly yes. have specialities. Uh, probably uh, primary lightsaber, uh, you know, Ooh, form. Fighting, fighting form. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Through a pod. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Uh, the, I want, I'm sure that, that fans have made these. Um, and I would absolutely want them. Uh, to come with uh, a, a flat stick of a gum that I, it, it tastes for like three seconds. Oh yeah, yeah. You get it burst. smells strong, right? It's one of it is one of the trigger memories for me that the smell of that you know gum. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it would come with like a, a little tiny dot. It's like the mm-hmm. space gum, and yeah. it it responds to saliva and it grows in your mouth. <laughs> Oh, that's great. So in my hand, this is how much I love cards. You're hearing, this is a pack of 1987 tops, which has the gum in it right here. Ooh. In, this one's not broken. 
Oh, it is stuck to another card, so I was going to break it. Yeah, so that's a bunch. Yeah, the gum, I can confirm. I had one recently. Doesn't taste good, but you get about two seconds of joy. Two seconds of full flavor. Uh, all right, so we've looked at this kind of big picture, getting down to drilling into Carl's question. Uh, which ones would you want? Which ones would you trade for? Which ones would be in high demand? What do you think? Uh, some of the big ones here, there's uh, – Air cards are obviously really famous, right? You get an air card. Uh, there's a famous one from an 89 where Billy Ripken had on the bottom of his baseball bat uh, a swear word and um, was not caught by the company Fleer. And that the Billy Ripken uh, bleep face card, as it was called, uh, was a hot commodity. You wanted that air card. You wanted a mistake. It was rare. It'd be corrected. Eventually, the, the, the bottom of his baseball bat, which had the swear word, was blacked out. So... The card, uh, the, the cards after that, no value. So I was thinking, what what's the equivalent of an air card in Star Wars? And it would be the Count Dooku air card where he's listed as a political idealist. <laughs> uh, retired political idealist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, oh, oh, that turns out that's not true. That's not true. Well, hold on to that card. It's going to be worth, it's going to pay your way to college, which by the way, was always the promise. These cards will pay your way to college. I didn't go to college. My card's worth nothing. Um, so yeah, that's where I'd start. The Count Dooku air card with, as stated by Kiati Mundi, he's a political idealist. Oh, I love that. That's, I, I kind of went to that too of like, a uh, a Dooku card when he, like his evil rookie card at 70 years old. We're like, it's yes. really sad. We have to print this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I had two more other big examples. I'd love to hear yours and we can just, just spitball, but, uh, you know, rookie cards, uh, and you mentioned it like, there's like pre-rookie cards just like college you know cards where you get like oh, here's uh, mark mcguire on team usa or bo jackson at auburn like there's those kind of things barry sanders at oklahoma i think was one of them um so you know you get a you get a ray future star card desert scavenger mm. card. Mm-hmm. So that's great you want that but then the flip side uh is a ben solo rated rookie card <laughs> So he's a prospect. He's 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 going to get called up to the majors. But then what would happen sometimes is, uh, especially in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a series called Traded, where because the technology, it was harder to make print the cards and get new pictures. If a player was traded or something changed in his career or he was called up to the majors before the, the, the run of the cards, you'd get a small box of like 200 cards or something. They were tops traded, Fleer updated or Don mistraded. And it would reflect his new position. So then you have the Ben Solo rated rookie card and the Kylo Ren traded card, which shows mm. ooh, he, something happened. He got traded to a different team and the traded card would be probably more valuable. But then the rated rookie becomes, oh, that's, you know, Ben Solo, force kid of the future. You need that card, too. Oh, yeah, I, I love this. And you're using all these terms that are that I vaguely know. <laughs> I can infer. Say, Brian Ward's probably uh, just bouncing around his house thinking about this. Uh, Brian, this section's for you. I always love that when you like, you, you I, I can infer what you mean from the specific, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, uh, names, but like hearing that different jargon, that's so great. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I went to say similar kind of thoughts of, you know, and some of this comes to me from my comic book collecting days of that. What do people think is going to be valuable? So they bet on. Yep. Uh, so everybody has one versus what is the surprise person, right? Mm-hmm. Who ends up being a star that nobody expected or, or there's a, a switch in fortunes. So uh, I think that the Anakin Skywalker uh, Padawan card 
everybody bought because he's the chosen one, right? Mm. Nine-year-old oh. Spartan, right? Uh, he, he It turns out he took down that uh, trade federation ship and saved Naboo. Like, everybody has an Anakin rookie card, yeah. rookie you Padawan know, card. I, I think it's so big in pop culture. I, I think you'll get this reference. It is the Ken Griffey Jr. Upper Deck number one card from 89 <laughs> Upper Deck, which is, uh, there's been documentaries made about it. It was this 18-year-old kid is going to change the world. And that was the card. And you hope to get that card. That's Anakin. You're describing it perfectly. And everybody had it then, right? Because they thought it was going to be a collectible, right? I mean, you could get it. You could get it in a pack and it's still it's still sought after. I think Mark Ellis and I have gone around to comic sh- uh, card shops in Burbank trying to f- just get a copy that, you know, pay for it. That it's not like an arm and a leg. Um, but yeah, and it's just, it's a, it's a fabled, uh, fabled card, upper deck, Ken Griffey, upper deck, number one. So yeah, it'd be Anakin. Like, look, look at this kid. Won a pod race. <laughs> like, this is great. Born of the force, 20,000 mini chlorians. This is the kid, man. This is the kid. Did you hear he sassed Mace Windu? Is that on the back of his card? Accomplishments. Sassed Mace Windu. Uh, yeah. Oh, in 89 is right around that time where it kind of broke through to like, I remember seeing like kind of normal people in the news going, did you know people paid money for comic books and baseball cards? Yeah, right. Where like yeah. the general world, there was a, a, a new Batman comic that came out. It was right around when it, that was, I think this was like maybe 90 or 91. I believe it was Shadow of the Bat and they, they released it in five different colors and like every comic book collector is like, I'm going to get in on the ground floor. Like I had the first issue of Batman or the detective comics first appearance. And like, it's worthless because everybody has thousands of them. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so, this, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Anakin would be the one that everybody thinks yeah. is going to be valuable. And it really wouldn't be because everybody has it. Um, yeah. And then I think the one that is a surprise, because it would be just like, what is, what, it's another Padawan. And it's, well, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess some people think that she's got a bright future, whatever. Uh, uh, the Ahsoka Tano rookie card yeah. is the one that raised like, oh man, I got to find that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so valuable. Well, Luke so, probably already found it, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's funny. I'm looking across at my Ahsoka figure right now on the card back and going, yeah, that'd, that'd be great on the top baseball card. Um, one of the other ones I would love, uh, there was a phenomenon too, like, especially it's always weird when you're a sports fan and like a player that is a rookie and you're watching and then they grow up and, and they play and then they retire. And then you're like, but wait a minute, like that doesn't happen. Like, what does that mean about my age? And then they become a manager <laughs> and then you get a manager card, which has no value. That's usually the three cent card, but it would great. It'd be wonderful to have a Leia manager card. Where you got, we all have the layoffs from back in the day. You got the the rated rookie. You got all of that uh, Imperial Senate prospect, all those kind of things. And then you get the uh, the Leia General Leia manager card, and it just says manager on it. She she's the manager of the Resistance team. Oh yeah, if there can be kind of like a manager card for being a Jedi Master to Ray, that oh that's the one that would break me in in tears. Need that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so a couple other ones that I would like is, you know, I'm sure the Obi-Wan rookie card is a Padawan would be valuable. Certainly is the mm-hmm. Jedi Knight just defeated a Sith. Uh, but I would want the early Clone Wars where it would be, you know, the negotiator would be mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the Obi-Wan, the negotiator card for sure. Um, I would love a Terra Sanube card, uh, you know, with the cane saber, just because I'm a big fan of Terra Sanube. And then um, your, your talk about the error cards made me think about... Um, the weird variations in some of the Star Wars trading cards. There is that 3PO one 
that infamous 3PO A New Hope card where it looks uh, like a part of his uh, hip is a different part of his anatomy, right? Yes, that's right. Yes. So um, I would like the super rare, super valuable uh, uh, Professor Yang um, mm. accidental body part image card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh. Any other trading cards that you want? The final one, especially if you uh, collected football cards, which I did as well, there was a lot of team cards and those weren't as exciting. So you were going through your pack and you're like, oh, Dan Marino, John Elway, uh, Oakland Raiders. Like I just got a card that's just the Raider. It'd be like one shot of the team in action or something like that. But I think you could do that in Star Wars of Separatist mm. or uh, Gold Squadron. Like you get like, oh, I got a Red Squadron card. Like what's on the cover? Is it Garvin Dave Drace? No, it's it's not. It's it's just an X-Wing. Um, but, you know, on the back, it tells a little story of Red, uh, Red Squadron is a preeminent squadron in the Rebel Alliance. They fought at the Battle of Yavin, Battle Scarab. That would be fun, too. Oh, yeah. No, I would love that. That'd be super cool. Yeah. See, the, the, see then on the playground, I would try to trade you those cards because I don't enjoy them as much. I have a Cincinnati Bengals card? I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> so I'd, I'd say, oh, you, like, I'll, take, I'll trade you two of these for one of your, uh, your Raider rookies. Yeah, I, I would be out there with my seven Anakins trying to get one Terrace Anube. <laughs> oh yeah, and and that and that's that's the other thing too. It's like we all know, you know, you got our, your favorite players. So it's like for me, I'm a Gary Carter fan. He was my favorite play, player growing up. So if like one of my friends got a Gary Carter, oh Ken's gonna want this. I know I can pawn this off on him and get a good deal. So you'd have to be wary. People will be like, "You got a Sanube? Joseph will sell you his house for it. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, they're 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 not that valuable, but we can take this sap for everything. Yeah, I got two nickels. <laughs> can I trade it for your one quarter? Like that that happened a lot. In the Is there a Snoopy on the quarter? Then yes, yeah, absolutely, yes. good deal. Good but deal. then again, you're winning because you've got the emotional connection. That's true. That's true. This is so much fun, and, and th there's so many things that we want to cover on Four Center in. in in mm. time is the thing to wrestle with. Uh, I really collected the empire cards hard. And I know, I know we, there are those books that have the mm. complete trading cards. That'd be so fun to do some episodes, just really focusing on the trading cards sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but time, time. Uh, and speaking of time, we are going to move on. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with two questions from our patrons on Patreon back in a moment. 
Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we are back for more cues of the Force. We are going to patrons from Patreon. This was sent in to us by Sean Buchanowski. Uh, that is my attempt at your last name. I apologize if I got it wrong. And if you want to send in a, a phonetic spelling, please feel free, Sean. Uh, here we go. Sean says, hi, Force Center friends. I recently had someone ask me what my favorite moment in Star Wars was. My mind was understandably boggled. Is there are so many different places to go full of special moments throughout the saga. However, without much time to think, the moment I went to was Ray calling and catching the Skywalker blade in The mm. Force Awakens. I never ceased to get chills uh, while watching this inspiring moment of answering the call and love how Ray's look goes from one of uncertainty to determination. Truly a hero's moment. Obviously, there are so many others to love, and this answer can change by the minute. Mm. I'd love to know where your hearts take you on this. Thanks, and may the Force be with you. Uh, yeah, mm. this is it. That's so hard. Uh, mm. And in a, a great exercise to just be in the moment. Okay, you, you can't make a list <laughs> and cross-reference and take off. Just in the moment, what does your heart tell you? Uh, listen to your heart, says Shmi. What does your heart tell you? Uh, Ken, how many did you write down? <laughs> Too many. Uh, we could turn this into a ranked. Uh, so well, I'll try to stop myself here. And and this this is one I was uh, over a cup of coffee this morning. Was trying to do what Sean was suggesting of like, well, what's my gut reaction? Then I was like, oh, oh, that, this is coming to mind. Then I just watched an entire ten minute sequence of Rogue One and started crying. It was quite a morning. Um, 
So I'll just, I, we talked about it before, but I, I think like one of my quintessential Star Wars like moments does actually re- represent a bit of a, a failure in Luke in Return of the Jedi. And that's the, the, the given into the, the fear, a little anger uh, at, at the, the mention of, of Leia by Vader and him charging out with a screen scream. Um, but that shot, man, with the music, mm. and the core, it's still just like Star Wars to me. So we can analyze it, and I think it's, I've I've appreciated that scene on a deeper level over the last couple of years here on Force Center. But that is still when I'm like, that's might be my favorite Star Wars shot. Therefore, it's kind of my favorite Star Wars moment. A lot of other things I want to talk about, but that one, that's the gut reaction. I still go to that. That is amazing. I think we are we are truly products of our time. Uh, just close my eyes and answer immediately. The thing that came to my mind is another Luke Skywalker moment, also from Return of the Jedi. Mm. Uh, it is the jumping off uh, the board, flipping up, catching the green blade in that little look of satisfaction at it igniting and swinging into action to save his friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's th- There's so much about that moment. It, it's so thrilling. The music cutting in, built up to so well with uh, Han's utter cynicism. Like, yeah, sure. You can't, the Jedi Knight, he can't even take care of himself. And like, sure. All right. All right. Weird weird peaceful guy on the skiff everything's gonna be fine sure great right you know and everybody literally laughing you know and, and java go, yeah. uh, laughing at the threats you know i think that got in deep as a kid as they like you know no, no nobody thinks no nobody believes you you can truly be something special right and in some ways you know kind of going going through early life with luke is kind of an avatar of, of what you could be to go from the, the young kid who's doubted, who knows nothing about the force, doesn't even know why he's doing this to this confident, uh, heroic uh, person rescuing his friends and, and fighting, mm-hmm. fighting evil. Uh, it's so it's so great. You know, it's just it, it's it's the, the symbol of the lightsaber kind of fulfilled. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. This is the, this is the weapon of a Jedi. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's the the one that my heart goes to. Yeah, God, that's a playground moment, right? I got just go back to 1983 into the spring uh, or fall of 84 uh, when I still was playing uh, Return of the Jedi on the playground and trying to, well, I know I can't flip, so I'm going <laughs> to jump down and then pretend to do it. And then when I climb back up the the ladder, that means I've jumped back up and then the fight can continue. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I used to picture like, what? what is the coolest thing you could do? A flip in the air. That's the coolest thing anybody could ever do. <laughs> uh, all right. So those are our, our uh, immediate emotional answers. So you wrote down some others and I'm I'm curious, ballpark. Are we talking like you got like 10? You got like four? I got 25? Four, four things to talk about. I can, but, but quickly, I can just, one of them, maybe a little more, but, but I, I, yeah. What I started to do was like, all right, he, Sean's asked about favorite Star Wars moment. That's that Luke thing for me. Then I was like, okay, what's my favorite Star Wars scene? What's my favorite Star Wars like action moment? And what's my favorite Star Wars opening? And then what's the one that this is the one that's the longest that represents the cost? <laughs> Weird one. <laughs> okay, so you broke it down and you, you made your own, your own rules. The I coffee, love it. The coffee was strong this morning. Uh, and so quickly, the scene, and, and, and Sean's so right, as any Star Wars fan can, can understand, this will change tomorrow. Think about mm-hmm. what is my favorite Star Wars scene? I got I got five minutes to watch a scene. I'm going to watch uh, the the memory of Han appearing to to Ben Solo. Mm. It is so much to unpack. There's so much for me personally as a Star Wars fan, as a Han guy. There's so much going on there. So much that is said and so much that is not said in that scene. It's just uh, pure po- poetry to me. And I, I will go to that one as my current favorite Star Wars scene. 
That, that is really great. The, uh, the cheek touch that helped save the galaxy as we, right. as we call it just, yeah. And, uh, the, 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 I, the perfect, I know, um, yeah, mm. there's so much going on in there. It's a beautiful oh. scene. Great pick. Uh, and the best action moment, like, I mean, the, I mean, you just described one that's come on flipping and there's that and then the, the trench run mm. it's there. I, then I was like, there's so much great action in Rogue One. But then it was like, again, as of right now, it's like gut reaction. What's a, a Star Wars action moment that encompasses so much and so much about the franchise. And also, I just remember the reactions and I'm, I'm going uh, controversial. I know the Holdo maneuver. Ooh, the way it was shot, the the build up to it, even PV just kind of realizing before Hawks of what's about to have just the everything about it, it Poe having the realization, and then just the way it's executed and that silence. And every time I saw that first month, no matter press screening, director's guild screening, uh, a, a ticket in the public, what a had the same reaction, silence, and someone always went oh bleep in the back of the theater every time. <laughs> And I still kind of get those chills when I watch it. So I'm going with that hold the maneuver, not the one that we see above Endor and Rise of Skywalker, which I want to know more about. But uh, yeah, I, just, yeah. I, yeah I, I don't have any evidence, but I feel an Ewok somehow did that, which I just love. <laughs> Son of Poplu did. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, I love that we've broken these up. What's your next one? Okay, opening uh, 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 the opening uh, from the crawl into the opening it is Revenge of the Sith and the drums mm. of war. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to Revenge of Sith soundtrack this weekend and it popped up like on a walk and one of the tracks. I just was like listening to that opening. I still, I still, that's Williams, my favorite Williams Star Wars score uh, from mm. start to finish that whole movie. But that one, right? Just the drums, the war, the Jedi starfighters going in, that shot uh, going over, uh, looking down the course on, it's just crazy. It's, it's still my favorite. Yeah. the Just the absolute, magnitude and chaos of the battle and then seeing these two unified ships just buzzing through it all yeah, yeah it's great and then the final one and i'll and i'll shut up joseph i swear <laughs> uh, uh, I, I said the cost what is the the, the the cost of doing all this all the fight against uh, evil the good versus evil hope and fear there's a cost to this and star wars teaches us about that and 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 shows that and, and you got to go to rogue one and right about that two hour mark begins that se- sequence of events uh, this is the your father would be proud music playing. The Star Destroyers are falling into the shield. The music is swelling. The message, we got the Krennic stuff, but the message is getting out. Is anyone listening? Yeah, someone's listening. Then the Death Star, that shot of, sir, we're picking up something on the horizon and the, and the music hits. It's 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 awe inspiring. If if but it's also the death ball that's going to take everyone out, and it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 frightening in its own way. Darth Vader arriving in the ship. It's not this big when when, the, when his ship comes out of hyperspace and it's taken out to some of the rebel ships. That's not a loud moment. That's not a fast boom boom. It is with music, somber music playing. It's the end of the ride. Krennic is assumed by uh, consumed by his own obsession, and and there is no happy ending. It's only an ending, and it's the ending. It's an ending to sacrifice. And one of my favorite moments, and we're going to be doing some ranking of Rogue One there. Um, and shout out again to our buddy Stephen Stanton. Rogue One, may the force be with you, is the soul of this sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Radis closing his eyes, going, this is the cost, and there's nothing we can do. And then he's about to lose his own life. That whole sequence, it's about five minutes. It moves me to tears often with some great music behind it. Um, in, in a movie that is about hope, uh, there's this great darkness that you must get through. And I'm like, that's may, might be that's not a scene, that's a sequence, but it represents so much in Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, the way that, that 
fish man, <laughs> fish man. Uh, you know expertly crafted created designers costume puppeteering going on yeah. and then the, um, the that came credit yeah yeah and, and the the amazing you know uh voice voice work for that fish man to be able to to convey which i i think uh radis does very clearly hmm. i know you're i know none of you are gonna make it yeah but you did the right thing you know, it, it's got it, 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 it the sadness and mm. it's, it's like goodbye and thank you somehow yeah. are like the subtext of what he's saying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, again, there was some discussion around and, uh, you know, uh, Giacchino, excuse me, um, you know, does the score and he does it in three weeks and, and it was its own kind of thing. And remember, this is the first time out, this is Falling Force Awakens and you're still, even though Kiner's done some great work with Clone Wars, there's still of that, oh, John Williams should be doing it. And, and the splat was spot, the splat, or the splat, whatever how you say his name. I apologize. You know, supposed to do it. He pulls out. Um, I, I, and I was even part of that discussion of, I don't know, the Rogue One music was great. I don't know. This is some of the best music. And it's some, and it's told well. Even that scene where the, where the, where the, the, the Lambda class shuttle carried Vader is going across to the profundity and, and, the, and the mushroom cloud down below, it's stunning. It's stunning and somber and sad, yet also hopeful because this was the cost that needed to happen. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful sequence. I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, this is great. This is great. Uh, this is clearly, uh, we're getting excited for Ranked. We're doing, this is like a preview episode uh, <laughs> for the Ranked we're going to put out. Um, yeah, I think for me, I, I really, uh, because I can get really uh, consternated with this stuff and really take time and really say like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to balance it between all the different parts of Star Wars. Really tried to follow uh, the the spirit of Sean's question mm-hmm. and close my eyes <laughs> yeah. and reach into the force. And I think I love the way that you broke it up. And that's a really fun exercise of opening, action, sacrifice. Um, I think for me, I went to the moments that kind of moved me on the on an emotional level the most. And I think those are the moments um, where characters have almost kind of sometimes it's a part of a, a big ballot battle but it's this moment of emotional clarity and resolution uh mm-hmm. that they're not alone that they're on the right path that they're taking the right steps um mm-hmm. that they're deeply connected to others those are those are the moments that really grab me um mm-hmm. so one of the first ones that came to mind is I, I thought about the recent kenobi show and like for action moments hey yeah kenobi raising his his arms and the rocks that's huge but the moment that's resonating with me is um owen saying you want to meet him mm, yeah and knowing how much that means to obi-wan and seeing him stride up mm-hmm. uh and seeing Obi-Wan through Luke's eyes is like, who's this mysterious, cool, interesting guy going off on some adventure? And, and having like both of these characters that we know so well have this moment where they both need something from one another and they both get it. It's And then, and then to cap it off in the hello there, I know it doesn't work for some people. It's perfect to me. It's utterly perfect. It's, yeah. it's Obi-Wan's reward for what he's for what he's been through emotionally and, and the successes he's had. So that one means a lot to me. Uh, that's a moment of people getting what they truly need. Right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We've talked about it a lot. So I won't recently, so I won't go on, but the same thing with Ray reaching out in, into the cosmic force. Um, 
pushing past her fear, uh, acknowledging her deepest need, that it's not a weakness to want others, you know, mm-hmm. uh, be with me, be with me. What a call. Right. And yeah. the power of Yoda's alone, never have you been. So that one yeah. huge to me. Um, this one jumped out at me and I realized, okay, this is, this is not a moment of getting what you need. This is a moment of realizing you you got what you asked for. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is a moment of, uh, this is to me, one of the ultimate Star Wars uh, F around and find out moments. Um, <laughs> and, and I know this is a huge one for you too. Uh, it's so small and solemn and so epic. It's the mask coming down on, on Anakin and Revenge of the Sith, oh, right? God. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the look in his eyes where he kind of realizes what it, this is on some level. Mm-hmm. not wanting to be confined to Anakin Skywalker who wants flowing robes, who always wants to be always on the move mm-hmm. is going to be trapped inside this thing. And that is dawning on him. That's what this is. Yeah. That's what his choices have led him to. Um, mm-hmm. And then the uh, absolute beauty of the, the cinematography of the mask, you know, yeah so clean and and flawless and perfect and terrifying in that endless high pitch whine is it all comes together. It's, it's a a horrible moment, but a beautiful moment. Yeah. Yeah. On the pause before the first breath, like, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, uh, it's played perfectly. Tragically, but perfectly. Yeah. So good. And then uh, two more, cause I could go on and on. Um, (laughs) another one that I just see when I close my eyes is it's a moment of, uh, of trauma, but then, relief within the trauma it's it's luke calling out to leia in empire strikes back and mm-hmm. that shot of leia's soulful soulful eyes with just this kind of impossible understanding you know mm-hmm. of i know where he is and we have to go back right um yep. those those uh, and a hero shall come moments always get me <laughs> and this is kind of like and a it's Luke's connections that save him. It's Leia's intuition and bravery uh, in those soulful, soulful eyes. So good. Yeah. Uh, final one for me to end it on a, on a happy note. Um, uh, there's so many moments, Luke moments toward the end of Last Jedi that I could pick. Uh, but I'm just going with the look on his face when he crawls back up on that, that altar, uh, you know, to the height of the light side, you know. Started on on Tatooine, thinking everything was far away. Here he is, a Jedi Master, you know, mm-hmm. at the, the this pinnacle of the symbol of the light side. Totally uh, at peace that he knows his purpose, that he's made the right choice, and looking to the next adventure. And that look on his face is yeah. so beautiful and peaceful and and resolute and happy. That that's just a beautiful, just single moment by itself. Oh yeah, all all could work. Oh, this is great. Thank yeah. you, Sean. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Uh, yeah, we, we could be here all day uh, talking trading cards and <laughs> uh, favorite moments in Star Wars. Eh. Well, we well, really, that's what this podcast is, is talking favorite moments in Star Wars for years on end. So we yeah, will really. yeah, continue true. doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, any final thoughts before we move on? Uh, no, you better move on. Okay, let's move on before it's too late. Uh, start throwing out some. There's just one moment. Oh, okay. But, but, but one more. Uh, we're going to move on to our final mm-hmm. question from Krister Ferreira. Another fun question says, hello, Ken and Joseph. I like you. Uh, I like you. I read that wrong. <laughs> hello, Ken and Joseph. I like you. We like you too, Christopher. End of tweet or end of message. 
like you. Uh, I like you. Like Not really a question, but we'll answer that. No, uh, I read that wrong. Here we go. Hello, Ken and Joseph. I, like you and most listeners here, am a big fan of the bars of the galaxy. It's always so cool to see a place and event we are so familiar with represented in Star Wars. The same appeal applies to Dexter's Diner. Seen in Americana Greasy Spoon in a Metropolis Planet is so awesome. One thing that I'm a huge fan of in real life is coffee shops and cafes. Mm. Something about the cozy, welcoming, and often eclectic nature of them just warms my soul. But to the best of my knowledge, they don't seem to be represented in Star Wars. Am I missing out on an obscure mm. calf shop scene in a book or comic? Uh, what planet or spot do you think would be an ideal host for a cozy cafe? Thanks for all your wise words. Uh, thank you, Christopher, for this great question. Um, I feel like there is there are so many mentions of calf in the novels to the lesser extent the comics, but the novels like that calf might be one of the most used words across Star Wars novels because we're kind of yeah. dealing with characters a little bit more on a day to day basis, and them just needing that kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. that pick me up in the morning or the afternoon comes up a lot. But I don't remember a, a calf shop. Do you? I, I'm trying to rack my brain, and you're right. I think if it would be a comic or definitely a novel if it showed up, and I think you could do a Control F search calf, and you're right, uh, a ton would would pop up, and and Alderanian wine seems to come up a lot. Oh, that Tonneray. Tonneray, yeah, um, yeah. I can't think of anything. I can't, which means we have wide open uh, planes to roll around in our answers in. <laughs> Yeah. So, so where do you go with this? What, what kinds, cause our different kinds of coffee shops. Uh, so what mm-hmm. kind of calf shops would you want to see? Where would they be? Uh, take me through your ideas. Oh boy. Here's another rank to, to waiting to happen. <laughs> I, I, so I, I had first what I call high society coffee shops. This is, uh, you know, I've never been to Paris, but I imagine this is what you might sit down and have a good, uh, a good cup of sophisticated coffee and, and talk about the world. And I go to two sides of it. Naboo, Makes a lot of sense. Mm. It's an answer for a lot of things, as it should be. It's a great planet, great design. You feel that there'd be a lot of very um, thoughtful people having, uh, you know, uh, great conversation and discourse and debate over coffee. Um, that, but then the flip side of it is, I went to Vardos, mm. Earth's home planet, which was, uh, you know, kind of uh, bathed in the light of the Empire, and having that side of it too, which wouldn't necessarily be conversations I would agree with, but that you know these. Uh, these rebel rousers here. Let's, let's talk about it over what we should do about these rebels over a cup of coffee. So those are the first two I started with these uh, oh. high society coffee shops, which I don't go to a lot, but I do, you know, they exist and they're a thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I totally agree with that. I think the slightly uh, higher end there, there's kind of the nicer, slightly higher end that like, maybe you can also get, uh, you know, the star Wars version of tea, right. You can get yeah. d- different, um, you know, uh, leaves and herbs from, from, all over the galaxy and you can sit in that place and you can have, you know, frankly, you could probably be talked down to by somebody who knows the teas of the galaxy better than you do. Right. <laughs> yep. yep. I don't know. I just like this. I just, I just like the Corellian tea. Like, Oh, Corellian tea. Oh, it's not anywhere as good as Vardos tea. Uh, but I think there'd be a nice place on Naboo, which mm-hmm. is where all of the uh, aspiring hollow writers uh, tap out their screenplays on their data pads. <laughs> yes. yes. And I think that one is right by the waterfall, which was meant uh, to be beautiful, but it has the the effect of making people want, want to uh, drink more. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. um, 
Yeah, and then I, I have had the uh, the good fortune to to go to Paris and go to a couple of kind of like bistros, mm-hmm. kind of uh, coffee shops. Where the the goal is to just sit out on the patio and and watch the people go by as you slowly slowly sip. Um, right. But I'm also interested in kind of uh, really from films of the the '60s mostly this idea of kind of like a dank underground. A uh, calf shop that is playing kind of loud jazz, and it's a it's a little dirtier, uh, but it's like where angry musicians and poets hang out, where like counterculture hangs out, right? Uh, kind of some of the birthplaces of of stand up, uh, you know. Also, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like there is a a dank subterranean, angry jazz calf shop on Corellia, and well, I think it's where artsy kids who don't want to go into shipbuilding, <laughs> they go there, they get just so jazzed on, on calf, complain about, you know, their, their parents uh, who only care about building ships and talk about all the poetry they want to write. Oh, that's great. I love that. <laughs> that's uh, what are some others for you? I went to, uh, for like some of those New York shops, like when, last time I was in New York, I had to find a, Good coffee shop. The place right across from my hotel was close. So I had to like do a search and it was a, a, an area of uh, like lower Manhattan. I hadn't really been before. Grace and I were there. So I went to get us coffee and I just did one of those, you turn a corner, you stumble into a coffee shop and all the high rise buildings in the world doesn't change. And this was just like this little shop, this little safe haven, this little Harbor in New York. And I think Coruscant would be the place for those kind of like, you know, just warm, comforting, uh, you know, coffee shops at the bottom mm. level. Uh, not, not, not bottom, but not 13, 13, but just, you know, somewhere near decks, not quite decks, but around decks. You just stumble on it. You find it. And you're like, Oh, look at this great coffee shop. Right. The individual family owned been mm-hmm. there for centuries. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that one. And then, uh, so then I had three other quick ones here and, and, and uh, that got me thinking of the other kind of coffee shops. Cause I, I, I love the New York ones. I don't do the high society ones too much. I would love to go to an angry RT coffee shop. Um, <laughs> the other ones are, very much what I live for. Uh, so Ambat 2, which you could really do this. Maybe they already do have this and I don't remember. It was a rainy day when I was there. But two, get your donut shop style coffee shop. Ooh. You go in for a bear claw or a ronto claw and a, a cup of co- uh, donut shop coffee. Oh. Very particular smell, right? You know, like yeah. you don't even do it. You walk up to a window. It's there. Um, and then I'm going to Bespin for one of my mm. favorite kind of coffee shops, the Hotel Lobby Starbucks. <laughs> you all know I love hotels. I love hotel living. When I uh, travel to do comedy with Mark Ellis, that's one of, we each love hotels, probably to an unhealthy degree. And I just love, honey, I'm going to the casino floor and I'm stopping off at that Starbucks. I'll bring you some. Like, and it's crowded and it's touristy and it's a chain but it's just, I am out and about in the world. And Best Ben just kind of has that vibe of a hotel lobby. Absolutely. Especially some of the expanded information about yes. Best Ben that we get to read about. I mean, we know it. It's Cloud City. It's a yep. city, you know. Um, it's got great uh, great art in the, in the mm-hmm. lobbies. <laughs> yeah. Great art for stormtroopers to fall down against when they get shot. Um, but uh, I love the idea that we've gotten this question before, like, where would you want to perform? Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure there are, like, I, I get to perform at, uh, at genre conventions. I'm sure there are conventions yeah. that, on Cloud City. And that is one of my favorite things is, like, when I get to the hotel for the convention, one of the things I sco- uh, scope out is, uh, where is the Starbucks? 
how long is the line going to be when I need to get up in the morning and get coffee and like a bagel? Yeah. Uh, and it's this ritual of like, I'm not quite ready for the day. My hair's kind of a mess. Uh, I'm almost blinking my contacts out because I just shoved them <laughs> in my eyes because I'm not actually ready to go to a panel or interact with another human. I just need to run down, <laughs> yeah. get basics needs and then go back to my hotel room. That's so true. Yeah. No, I get, I love those. Although I know not exactly that vibe you're talking about. Like the yeah. hair still kind of cobwebby from last night. What did I do? What, what, what part of you? Yep. We got fond memories of running into other friends. Like, yeah. So how late were you out last night? Oh, it's about 4 a.m. Yeah. Okay. What's your first panel? 10 a.m. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. I think, I bet there'd be a lot of that on Bespin with the beautiful clouds outside. Oh, great. 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 Final one for me, and then love to hear a bunch of yours here, is uh, that what what we all probably have. uh, I have a couple options around me in Burbank here. The neighborhood coffee shop you go to, they know your face, at least maybe they know your name and they know what you want. And I was like, where could that be reflected? It's Navarro. Mm. You know, you know, yes. you know, as a security director, and I'm the grief card. It's not a one for one uh, translation, but, you know, security director run around an empty mall in the morning or the farmer's market at Third and Fairfax, where I was the director for about four years. You walk around. They know you. Hey, Ken, here's your coffee. And you just kind of the, the business hasn't, of the day hasn't started. Uh, it's very serene and a weird an empty mall is very serene. It's hard to believe. Um, and you just kind of wave into the shop. I just imagine uh, that is what Grief Carga does now. That's where we can get Mando season three. The place is running good. Business is great. He's got a cup of coffee at the neighborhood shop. Hey, Grief, I got your calf right here. And then he takes it and he just strolls around, meeting and greeting. That's uh, that's what I want in Navarro. That is perfect. And, and, and since Navarro is being built up, you get you almost have that kind of great sense of like maybe people bringing their own cultures and traditions, right? Of like, this is like the, an old school uh, pastry shop of, you know, some uh, Klaatuinian yeah, <laughs> or whatever, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they're Klaatuinian pastries and it's kind of, it's a brand new shop, but it's kind of an old school vibe. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, uh, the farmer's market I mentioned, it, it, some of you might know, it's the original Los Angeles farmer's market. It's where famously the Grove uh, that a lot of people do know of it rents property from. It's been there for since 100 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, more family. Uh, so for anyone listening, look it up. But it's that. And it's, it, 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 it's shopkeepers and owners from around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the coffee shop that, that at the time, my, my uh, ex-girlfriend, uh, when I was dating her, her mom ran it. Her mom had, had worked, come from El Salvador as an as, uh, 18-year-old girl, worked her way up, bought the coffee shop. And so, you know, off menu, you get some great Salvadorian coffee, you know. Mm-hmm. You go over there, there's uh, Lou, whose Italian family came here. He cut your meat. Like, it's, it's t- I, I want that for Navarro now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the the Italian place that still has the picture of Sinatra up. Uh, I think <laughs> right next to the the donut place that yes. that has the best lemon Bismarck I've ever had in my life. Oh, you're talking about Patsy's Pizza and Bob Desquella's, uh coffee shop. Oh my yes. god, yes, yes, uh, yes, so good. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, now that I'm obsessed with the cozy donut shop. Like, all right, yes. I need that in Batu. Um, yeah. So I think uh, a couple ones. I think. Uh, you're talking about the great like hotel kind of Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I feel like Coruscant on the upper level would have like the, the kind of the Starbucks that, you know, you find in large cities where like you go for a four block stretch and there are four Starbucks, right? Yes. Um, the absolute like somebody's made like if the Santecas made all their money on, uh, you know, hyperspace prospecting, you know, some other, you know, rich family made their money on, you know, calf, <laughs> <laughs> calf control. And now they have this, right? Gotta have that in High Republic. Someone's got. Come on, Charles Lowell. Right. Give me, give me the uh, the uh, you know, the Dugans. What's the, oh, the Dugans of Planet Duga. 
They make the yeah. kind. Justina Ireland's written some great stuff about the that those legacy family businesses, right? And you yeah. know, whatever the Starbucks of Star Wars is, and just like nobody quite likes the coffee, but everybody's used to it and it's convenient and like, you know, for uh, senators and, you know, political aides and all these people, it's right there. You run by Mm -hmm. three on the way from your apartment to the Senate. Uh, So why are you not going to stop at this place? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I like the idea that it is uh, like run by some alien species with like four stomachs and impervious to burns. So like uh, I have the bias of like, I know some people love it. Like star Starbucks is like, I don't know. It feels like coffee made out of a dare. And now everybody's gotten used to it. Of like, how intense can it be? And like, I feel like it's, I would love it. It was run by some species. Like, you know, this, this coffee is borderline dangerous. It eats the stomach linings of other, uh, you know, species. And they just don't even know. There's like, make it hotter. (laughs) Yeah. Burn it. Burn it. Burn it. Uh, which also made me think that I, I would love a very, very intense calf shop in Sundari City on Mandalore. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Where it's just full of tradition, the the beautiful cubist art. Uh, you know, the, the calf comes in like these strange, you know, rigid shaped glasses. And, uh, you know, even even once Satine has said, like, let's let's, uh, you know, armor armor is not our whole life. I think there's still flamethrowers that are used in the making of the coffee. Well, you mentioned the debate on, you know, how to make the coffee. What's the traditional Mandalorian way to make calf? <laughs> some intense debates going on in that shop. Yeah. Drip. This is the way. Yes. Yeah. And then my final one, I wanted to end on a pleasant one. Uh, the, the one I maybe most want to go to is I think that high up in those uh, Alderanian towers, there are some beautiful, beautiful, just uh, a calf shop that is about peace and quiet, right? Mm. It's everybody, everybody can go in there to work or you can have a conversation, but at a low volume, almost everything is like calming white and blues. Uh, they have designed a way to make calf so they can make uh, space lattes and Alderanos without the worrying <laughs> noise. Yeah. So it's nice and peaceful. You go in there for just a, a very nice, very high end, but reasonably priced mm. uh, calf. And you stare at a side of a mountain and, and gently blow the steam. This is beautiful because, you know, you got to imagine what Leia was studying, uh, her early uh, Senate studies or whatever, that she'd probably go there, do a book report, whatever, whole little book report, and would take a sip. And so now, even now, if she smells or sips that coffee when she can find it in the galaxy, she's taken back to her peaceful oh. home. Oh, it's beautiful. So beautiful. Now we'll add this to one of our most favorite beautiful moments in Star Wars, the one we imagine of <laughs> drink Leia drinking co- calf, not coffee, drinking calf yeah, uh, while studying. Mm-hmm. That was a very fun question. Thank you so much, Christopher. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Carl. And thank you, James. All great questions. Uh, we sometimes have a segment here called Power of the Light Side. If you are a patron on Patreon, uh, go ahead and scroll down the section of posts. There's a call for submissions for Power of the Light Side. If you have a moment or a memory uh, where Star Wars has made a positive impact on your life, a favorite moment that you would like to share, uh, just like we did uh, in this episode uh, and and Sean did in his question, uh, by all means, uh, add that to the Power of the Light Side post and we will happily share it. Uh, for for now, Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Podcast is available 
on uh, ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. Just search and you'll find us. If you want to leave a review on places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and whatnot, that definitely helps us. We appreciate it. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. Uh, we will also, we'll see, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll add a Kylo Ren uh, traded rated rookie card. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash four centers where you can support us directly from there. You get into our discord where you can uh, talk about Star Wars. And I really hope a lot of you listen and add your own uh, coffee shop, calf ideas and mm-hmm. baseball card ideas in the discussion. A lot of fun. Uh, one of the reasons we attach the discord to the Patreon page is just to, uh, really make sure that, uh, you know, the, the right vibe is there. Uh, open to the public can sometimes be a little daunting and dangerous. And what happens is we have this wonderful community that just kind of uh, uh, has grown up around the discussion of Star Wars in our Discord. So uh, access that through our Patreon page. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, KenNapsock.com for more. If you want some uh, Game of Thrones or Ring House of Dragon or Rings of Power discussion, doing that over on Casterly Talk. Check that out. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com for all sorts of other comedy adventures, uh, past and present. Uh, I have several comedy albums uh, that there's a link to uh, my Bandcamp page. Uh, every month, I believe, Bandcamp does a uh, a a Friday, a special on Friday, where they donate their proceeds to the artist. Uh, a couple of Four Center listeners uh, bought all of my albums uh, on one of those Fridays. So thank you very much. If you're interested in the comedy albums, you can check those out on my website, josephscrimshot.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Drinking Calf, this has been Four Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> <laughs> 